Shalom and welcome to the Jewish Mind, where the growth of modernity meets the timeless wisdom and solutions of Judaism. Title of this lecture, Want to Make a Baby? Getting Beyond the Philosophy. One of the larger issues that our generation is dealing with is the lack of fulfillment. Looking at the amount of prescriptions that are being administered for depression, including the medical prescriptions for pets, for healing depression, one can understand how far-reaching the struggle for the experience of fulfillment is. In this lecture, we are going to explore Judaism's, Judaism's solution for this modern-day issue. We will explore a non-conventional answer to how we can truly embrace a very strong and personal sense of fulfillment. For starters, the answer may just be in the opposite direction of where many a conventional therapy solutions take us. There is something very interesting in the medical field concerning the human nervous system. Where one experiences the pain isn't where the pain is coming from. For example, the immense pain of kidney stones are projected to an area that isn't where the kidneys are. The communication between the nervous system and the brain, and then back from the brain to the nerves to the body, is often unconventional. So too it is with the emotional system between the conscious mind, the subconscious mind, and the soul. The communication is one that is very unconventional, and approaching it only from a conventional dictionary will leave us misunderstanding it. This is why our exploration is going to first take us into the layers within our metaphysical and spiritual psyche so that we can track the soul's deepest sense of fulfillment and its connection into our daily physical life. This will be one of the most important and life-changing lectures that we will ever hear contingent upon us doing the work it guides us to do. I want to emphasize this contingency for a moment. Once, while I was a student shliach, which is an emissary of the Rebbe of Blessed Memory to Caracas, Venezuela, I met up with an Israeli who was sent there by the Israeli government to train the president of Venezuela's security team in martial arts. After a conversation on martial arts with him, I asked whether there is any books that can teach me martial arts. The man laughed and said, That is the challenge for us Jews. We want to learn everything from the books. To study martial arts, you need to get onto the mat. Actually, life has taught me that there isn't a single thing, including spirituality, which can be learned from the book. Everything, including spirituality, can only be learned on the mat. This is why so many self-help books offer the right information and yet remain useless. Self-knowledge is necessary, however desperately insufficient. Thus, once again I say to you, this will be one of the most important and life-changing lectures that you will ever hear contingent upon you doing the work it guides you to do. For starters, let us embrace that the soul is infinite, and thus, the soul's descent into the finite body already denies it a sense of fulfillment. For how can the infinite ever experience fulfillment with so little of it being experienced and exercised? 
With this comes the next obvious question of how can the spiritual ever find fulfillment in the physical? Let us make this practical. Everyone understands that human life is something infinite and spiritual that manifests itself within this physical world and physical body for a limited amount of time for a specific goal and then returns back to its spiritual infinite state and environment. So, obviously, the soul is willing to descend into this finite physical experience in order to find a fulfillment that it doesn't have otherwise. Additionally, being that the soul is an eternal creature as are all of spirituality, thus the fulfillment that it seeks out in its finite temporary existence is obviously an eternal fulfillment that it can only achieve here in this finite physical and temporary experience of a lifetime. The bigger question is not so much as to why this is so, in as much as how can we experience this eternal infinite fulfillment of our soul in our physical lifetime. Here is a teaching of our sages that will open the gateway to the answer. Rabbi Yochanan said in Rabbi Yossi's name, He who delights in the Shabbat is given an unbounded heritage. For it is written, Then shall thou delight thyself in the Lord, and I will make thee to ride upon the high places of the earth, and I will feed thee with the heritage of Jacob thy father. Then it goes on to say, Not like Abraham, of whom it is written, Arise, walk through the land in the length, that's a finite specific definition, length of it, nor like Isaac, of whom it is written, For unto thee and unto thy seed I will give all these lands. Again, a finite description, these lands. But like Jacob, of whom it is written, And thou shalt spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. That's the infinite. Why is it that the person who delights in the Shabbat is the one to specifically connect with Jacob's blessings, which are beyond the blessings that God gave to Abraham and Isaac. The answer to this can be found in a different teaching of our sages. The same Rabbi Yochanan said in the same Rabbi Yossi's name, Abraham, who is not reported to have kept the Shabbat, inherited the world in limited measure, as it is written, Arise, walk through the land, land in the length of it and in the breadth of it. Finite description, length and breadth. But Jacob, of whom the keeping of the Shabbat is mentioned, and he quotes the verse where it's mentioned, it says, And he rested before the city, which means that he entered at twilight and set boundaries before sunset. That's the laws of Shabbat. Inherited the world without measure, as it is written, and thou shalt spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. Thus, the specific connection between observing the Shabbat with Jacob's unlimited blessings from God, for specifically of Jacob does the verse testify that Jacob observed Shabbat. However, this needs some understanding, for the verse states concerning Abraham, because Abraham hearkened to my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my instructions. That's what the verse in Genesis says about Avram. 
And our sages explain that Abraham intuitively knew of all the commandments, even the rabbinical ordinance of Shabbat, concerning the Eruve Chatseros, which means mixed ownership of courtyards, domains. Therefore, we must explain that what our sages mean is that concerning Abraham, observing Shabbat was as one of the general commandments of the Torah. While concerning Jacob, the Torah makes spe special mention of his observing Shabbat, telling us that Jacob's observing Shabbat was not on the general level of Jacob's observing all the 630 commandments of the Torah, but rather Jacob observed Shabbat as Shabbat is a very particular commandment. What is Shabbat on a particular commandment level which makes it distinctly different from Shabbat on a general commandment level? By understanding this, we will understand why through observing Shabbat on its distinct particular commandment level, we become connected with the infinite blessing of, and I quote the blessing verse, and thou shalt spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. To understand this, we must first explore the spirituality of rest. Shabbat from its very conception is all about rest. In Genesis, the Torah tells us of how God created the world in six days, and then on the seventh day, He rested. What does it mean that God rested? A human has a limited amount of energy, and after exerting his energy, the human must rest in which his limited amount of energy is rejuvenated from all of its exertion. This is what the human experience of rest is. However, what would the experience of rest be when we are talking about God? Spiritually speaking, rest is the act of shedding all the outer layers that work demands of us to descend and to clothe ourselves into. Our soul doesn't have specific hand movement energy, for example, and definitely doesn't have the different categories of hand movement energy that construction work versus art versus writing words each distinctly demand. Our soul has a simple infinite energy force, and when we work, we demand of this energy to descend and to clothe itself into very specific finite expressions. On a, on a metaphysical level, our actions are always driven by primarily one of three emotions, kindness, strength, which is strictness and justice, or compassion. This is because man was created in the, I quote the verse in Genesis, image and likeness of God, who has chosen to define his infinite light through the ten emanations, which in general define themselves in right, which is kindness, left, which is strength, and center, which is compassion. Now the infinite light in itself has neither the form of left, right, or center. However, when God went to work on creating the universe, God descended and clothed his infinite light into these finite layers of expression so that the universe be able to have finite experiences of self-identity and self-will for the sake of purpose and meaning, which demands that freedom of will exists for the centerpiece of the universe, the human being. Thus, what Shabbos means is to rest from the descending and clothing of the infinite light 
into the outer finite layers of expression and experience. In other words, work is the downward flow of the energy into the finite layers of expression, while rest is the upward elevation of the energy back into its original infinite state of formless simplicity. So it is for the infinite light in the six days of creation and the Shabbat day of rest. And so it is for our souls in our six days a week you shall work and on the seventh day you shall rest. The next concept is to understand is that the descent of the infinite light and the clothing of the infinite light into the finite energies of our universe have many layers to it. For example, the fact that on the first day God created light and on the second day God created separation and boundaries among the waters is because on the first day the infinite light expressed itself dominantly through kindness and revelation while on the second day it expressed itself primarily through strength and strictness. However, we can easily understand that from the formless simplicity of the infinite light unto the physical ray of light and the physical boundaries and shores of the oceans, there are many spiritual layers of kindness and strength through which the infinite light must first manifest itself. These different layers of descent and clothing of the infinite light on a general basis are hinted to within the Shabbat Mincha prayers. That's the afternoon prayers. Let me quote to you four sentences of the major paragraph of this Mincha Shabbat prayer. One, you are one, that's kindness, and your name is one, that's strength. Who is like your people, like Israel, that is compassion the one nation on earth. Here's the next verse in this very prayer. An ornament of greatness, that's kindness, and a crown of salvation, that's strength, of day of holiness and rest, that's compassion, you have given to your people. Let's go to the third verse. Abraham rejoices, that's kindness. Isaac exults, that's strength. Jacob, that's compassion, and his sons rest thereon. Now the first, fourth and the verse. A rest of love and generosity, that's kindness. A rest of truth and faithfulness, that's strength. A rest of peace, serenity and security, that's compassion. I am not going to take your time and explain why each part of each phrase correlates to its specific emanation. Rather, I will just give you a general guidance. Anytime we speak of salvation or faithfulness, we are speaking of overcoming an adversary, which is the experience of strength. And anytime we speak of peace, we are speaking of the unity brought about by compassion. What is relevant to our exploration is that after we mention in this prayer the four general layers in which the three emanations clothe the, finite, the infinite light, the prayer then goes on to say, let me read to you the next verse, a perfect rest with which you, God, find favor. Thus, after the prayer speaks of the shedding and the elevation of the infinite light's energy from all the layers back into the original formless simplistic state of rest, there yet remains one more dimension to Shabbat, which is the perfect rest in which 
God finds favor. When we understand what we, I'm sorry, what we understand from this on a mystical level is that the Shabbat rest, which is the shedding and elevation from the four layers, is what observing Shabbat on a general commandment level is all about. While the perfect rest in which God finds favor is that specific distinct layer of Shabbat that Jacob observed and which connects us to that infinite blessing of Jacob. Once again, I will not complicate the issue with an in-depth understanding of what these four different work layers of expression represent in the universe and in the soul. Rather, for the sake of understanding where fulfillment of the human soul lies and where it doesn't, I will, in a general fashion, first explain how these four layers are divided into two categories, that of pre-symptom and that of post-symptom. So, what is symptom, you ask? Symptom literally means contraction, and it is the process in which the primordial infinite light that filled all was contracted to create a space of void, into which a finite ray of the infinite light was then introduced in order to create the universe. That is the technical answer of what the symptom is all about. However, in practical layman's terms, simply view the symptom as a one-way mirror that God placed between Himself together with His primordial infinite light and between creation, which includes the finite ray of light, which is the spiritual life force and energy of the universe. That's what symptom practically is. It's that one-way mirror that separates Creator from creation, in which from the point of view of the Creator, it's just plain glass, nothing changed. But from the point of view from the creation, they can't see past that glass. It's like a mirror. What is amazing here is that we are hearing that even in the pre-Timson, primordial infinite light that exists, there existed the forms of the three emanations of right, left, and center. Which now means that even on this primordial level of the infinite light, there exists the six days of work and the seventh day of rest. Translate this now into our soul experience. This now means that even in the deepest level within ourselves, when we are alone in a state of peace, there still exists the experience of work and the experience of rest. In other words, even when we have found the deepest state of the peaceful yoga um vibration, which is said to be the sound of the universe, we have still not found the nirvana of fulfillment. For even there, in that inner vibration sound of creation, there is still the work experience of the infinite light's descent, and the work clothing of the soul. Yes, it is true that the, previous the previously mentioned Shabbat Minchabreya tells us that this pre-symptom layer of work descent is in total unity with the One. As the prayer reads, and I'll quote you again that first verse, You are One, that's kindness, and your name is One, that is strength, and who is like your people, like Israel, which is compassion, the one nation on earth. So, 
We do find there the rest of oneness. However, by sheer definition, the complexity of three denies even this experience of one to be the perfect rest with which you, God, find favor. Thus, the observant of Shabbat demands a specific and distinct observance beyond that of all the other commandments, including the way Abraham observed his Shabbat. For the general experience of observing commandments connects us to the one of the primordial infinite light. However, as we just explained, the distinct and particular observance of Shabbat, which connects us to the infinite eternal blessing of God to Jacob, demands that we experience the Shabbat rest even from this one layer of work. The time has now come to define what is a perfect rest which you, God, find favor. Whenever my children would use words like always or never, you know how kids are, I never get to, how come I always... I would tell them that those are words unavailable to humans and are only available to God, for only God experiences always and never. Another thing that I would share with them in the same vein is whenever they would use the word perfect, I would respond with, perfect is God. No creation can ever experience or be perfect. Well then, what can I do with this concept of perfect rest, other than say that it only belongs to God? And so it is. The moment we describe infinite as a light, we have left the beingness and the experience of perfect. This is why when the teaching speaks of the perfect rest, it suddenly changes its wording from infinite light to just infinite. In the final analysis, you see, even the absolute oneness of the pre-Timson primordial infinite light is an expression and a revelation, and therefore is stuck within the descent experience of work, and knows no such thing as perfect rest. For perfect is only God, and not even God's infinite light. Within the godly soul, within us, it is the same. The godly soul is defined as, quote, truly a piece of God, end quote. However, right after that, we go on to define that the soul has five names, which represent the five different levels of the soul. Now, truly a piece of God does not have levels. Rather, it is the ultimate simplicity of the infinite. Thus, when we say that the soul is truly a piece of God, we are speaking only of the inner essence of the fifth name, Yechida, which means aloneness. This Yechida is what Kabbalah and Hasidus is talking about when they define the soul as, and I quote, a piece of creator became a creation, end quote. And in truth, my friends, it goes even deeper than this. For the piece of creator that became creation is now a creation. However, Within that piece, there is what is defined as Yechida Liyachedcha, literally, aloneness of your God, aloneness of your aloneness, which is the piece of Creator that remains Creator. 
It is only within this Yechida Liachetcha that there exists the perfect rest of Shabbat, which finds favor to God. In other words, it is only when we connect with and experience the deepest and truest essence of our soul beyond any form of expression at all that we can find fulfillment. Now how exactly can you and I practically experience this? The answer to this will be the closing to this lecture. In closing, the title to this lecture is Want to Make a Baby? This title is based on a very interesting teaching of Hasidus. Isn't it amazing that anyone can make a, ba a baby, even accidentally so, and even in a state of drunkenness? However, to truly be a teacher and to be able to empower and form the potency of a student, there are so many prerequisites that must exist within both the teacher and the student. More fascinating is that even after all the stages of self-refinement and spiritual openness, the most dominating rule of a teacher-student relationship is the Yiddish proverb that, in Yiddish, a cup which means that a that one cannot place a head on his student's shoulders. The student must have his own head, and only in accordance to the capacity of the student's head can the teacher empower and form the student. The reason for this is that a teacher-student relationship is one of XX, which is Latin for something from something, while the parent-offspring relationship is one of ex nihilo, which is Latin for something from nothing. Thus our amazement grows in leaps and bounds. How is it that the lower experience of forming something from something takes such spiritual preparation, spiritual environment, and spiritual experience? while the highest experience of creating something from nothing demands nothing spiritual at all? The answer is that the spiritual transmission from a teacher to a student is an experience of the infinite light, and spiritual light demands spiritual prerequisites. However, in creating an offspring, something from nothing, this is beyond the capacity of the infinite light and exists only within the essence this is why making a baby can only take place through a physical transmission and not a spiritual transmission. For in producing a child, the parent must give forth from their very essence which defies any layer of expression and spiritual form. From a spiritual perspective, physical mass defies any form or layer of expression. Spiritually speaking, the word expression means virtue and revelation. Physical mass to the, phys to the spiritual world is the void of light, layer, and expression. And thus physical cannot be an infinite light transmission, but must be an essence transmission. The only way for the Yechida Liachetcha of a soul to transmit itself is through the physical semen and physical egg which is not subject to the spiritual descent and clothing limitations of the infinite light. In other words, my friends, as I told you at the onset of this lecture, the journey to fulfillment is counterintuitive to what conventional wisdom would have us believe. The journey to fulfillment 
and as we explained, fulfillment can only be found in the essence, is not through finding inner peace within our perceptions and our emotions. True fulfillment can only be found in the simplistic darkness of physical actions. Abraham experienced all of the commandments, including Shabbat, through his spiritual refinement and experience of his perceptions and his feelings. The verse is telling us that Jacob experienced his Shabbat in the physical observance of rest, and the physical is where the experience of Yechida Liachetcha is, and only God, Yechida Liachetcha, is the beingness and the experience of perfect rest. Perfect rest, my friends, is the only place where fulfillment can be found. So, if we want to have fulfillment, we are going to have to get past our intellectual and emotional light and physically do something for God, for another, and for the goodness of the universe at large. Friends, modernity offers growth, and growth comes with challenges. Judaism offers timeless divine solutions. The Jewish mind is where modernity meets Judaism.